Blood stains the ivories of my daddy's baby grand. I ain't seen no daylight since we started this band. Welcome, one and all, to Backtrack Zero Smith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Haskin. How you doing, Scott? Corey, I'm doing great, but I might have to uh, shift my title today because we are not alone. And I'm not talking about aliens. I'm talking about our guest all the way from the Deep Purple podcast up late for him. John Matola. How are you, John? Hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. How are you guys? Welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, I tell very you, excited. We're just, we were looking over the dice and like, oh, there's John's dice from when he was on. Man, there's some good tracks on there. We got to get John back on the show so we could roll this die and, and talk about one of these great hits you got on here. No, oh, awesome. I can't wait. Tell us a bit about the Deep Purple podcast uh, for people who maybe are just uh, catching our show for the first time and maybe uh, haven't checked out your podcast. So the Deep Purple podcast um, is a podcast that um, my friend uh, Nate and I started a few years back uh, when we had the idea of uh, talking about um, the uh, Deep Purple and all of the uh, bands related to them. There's so many musicians and so many different you know, great albums kind of in that network. We, we were just like, this could be this could be something that we could talk about for, for years. Um, I mean, albums alone, never mind all the other kind of fun episodes that we've been able to do and guests we've been able to have on. So, um, you know, just great discussions about uh, music, musicians. Um, you know, we rate albums. Um, we've um, we've done uh, some trivia game shows. Scott's interviewed us a couple of times. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun if anybody wants to check it out. And it's not just Deep Purple. I mean, there are tons of musicians related to them that, uh, you know, we've gone as far out as, uh, as Ozzy even uh, just to find those connections. And uh, we've had a lot of people write in and tell us that um, they've discovered or rediscovered albums that they have, you know, haven't heard in forever. So it's, uh, it's been really cool to, to do that for um, people that listen to the show as well as ourselves because some of them you know i've never heard or haven't heard in years either so it's been a lot of fun yeah i was just looking at my list and going back to the first time i interviewed you guys when when we really first met on my yeah. other show the haskin cast podcast that was november of 2019 so we're wow. we're hitting almost four years on that already wow four years of friendship mm-hmm Four years of excellent friendship. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, you guys have a, a Patreon, too, and if you're a patron, you get uh, access to cool things like being part of the live streams like we did last night. We did yeah. probably one of your weirdest shows yet with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I won't say what it is because I'm not sure which is going to come out first. Uh, but let's just say it was it was unlike any other show that uh, I've listened to from you guys and, uh, and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those. Um, yeah. Kind of the, the bizarre shows with some technical difficulties uh, sometimes tend to be the best ones but yeah i always forget about these things like you you and nate seem to be better salesmen for the podcast than i am like i forgot about the the patreon we have a lot of patrons though that generous patrons who contribute to the show which is great because we offer the to have them on the live streams there's a discord we can go in and chat with each other um it's just created a great little community and we've been able to make uh be great people such as yourself and then of course 
through meeting you, I've been able to meet, uh, you know, be on a bunch of other shows, including this one, which has been very cool and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing network. Uh, Corey, should I talk about the Deep Dive Podcast Network? I guess that's a decent enough segue. It's about time you pulled your weight around here, Haskin. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. I just I just look beautiful on an audio podcast. I, uh, I, I I rearranged this because I realized after we recorded last week, I thought, you know, I this I kind of stumble a little bit because of the order I have things in. And as I was doing that, I realized that, Corey, between you, myself and Kevin Brown, we dominate about one third of the entire podcast network because we do so many shows. Uh, we're pretty crazy. And I'm sure that we'll have to do a spinoff show about how many shows we do. But we'll start with this one, of course, uh, Corey and myself on Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited with the occasional Deep Purple podcast guest uh, that we have. Corey, you do a show with John, our old friend from this show called Backtracks Theme Music. Corey, you do another show with Mark called And the Podcast Will Rock. Corey, you do another show with Kevin Brown called The Ultimate Catalog Clash. Brand new show. Uh, your newest episode just dropped uh, this week. Your first actual album review uh, covering Genesis. And uh, I love it already. It's uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, you know, then Kevin's got to do a bunch of stuff without you. He's got the Tom Petty Project, and then he's got Seaside Pod Review that he does with his buddy Randy. I've got my little Uriah Heat podcast, the Magicians Podcast, and then we have Nate and John, the Deep Purple Podcast. John, you can almost feel like you can see him if there were a camera that you could watch. He's here with us now. We have the simple man at Skinner Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. We have a Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Aussie podcast. Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie at the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Rye at North by South Podcast. Greg and Jonathan at So Far So Pod So What? Quinn at And Volume for All. Sav, Nick, Stephen, Mark at the Rock Roulette Podcast. And Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu. And not to be uh, you know forgotten because they're not part of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, but our friends Sean Geek and Fast Fred and Eric over at Booked on Rock. That's right. Thank you very much for that, Scott. Uh, John, I, I just got to say again, uh, I, I consider the Deep Purple podcast, along with Pot of Thunder, as the gold standard of excellence uh, in rock and roll podcasting. So uh, keep up the great work. And actually, Nate was on uh, Pot of Thunder uh, not that long ago, did a fantastic job. So that was really mm. cool to hear. Um, I, I listen to your show as much as I can. I am I am a proud patron, but every once in a while, you get this weird little dude from Vegas on there, and I got to tune out. Uh, it just <laughs> it brings the whole vibe down. I'm not a fan, but if you could get less of him, I, I think that might really help your cause. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, with the amount of podcasts that Scott does, there's no getting less of him anytime <laughs> soon. Everyone bugs me for uh, they, they're calling it the CMPU, the Corey Morissette podcast universe. But really, it's Scott Haskin, <laughs> the puppet master behind the scenes. He's going to be overtaking every show uh, on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. I can't wait for you to just uh, just insert yourself into Skinner Reconsidered just out of the blue. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if I showed up somewhere else. <laughs> he's like a bad rash <laughs> or a good one scott haskin he's that case of crabs it just won't go away yes <laughs> all right but we got some business to take care of here boys and that's talking about aerosmith one of our favorite bands uh bad i tell you uh, scott we've been just uh, replacing songs on the mixtape left and right lately uh let's uh, just go over what we have on the mixtape right now uh for the folks on the uh, side a 
which is all the deep cuts. We have rats in the cellar, moving out, no more, no more. Girl keeps coming apart. Bone to bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, The Farm, uh, I'm Down, Sight for Sore Eyes, and Combination. On side B, which is our all the hits, uh, all of our favorite Aerosmith hits, we have Let the Music Do the Talking, Chip Away the Stone, The Other Side, Home Tonight, which was just added last week, Crazy, Eat the Rich, Mommakin, Shut Up and Dance, and Deuces Are Wild. So, John, after hearing those titles that are currently on the mixtape, uh, it's kind of a murderer's row. It's going to be a tough sledding maybe to get a song on there. Hmm, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of great songs on there, for sure. <laughs> There are maybe a couple that I don't like as much. I, I didn't really hear anything that I, I can't remember that was um, I didn't think was uh, any good. So, well, you know, Corey, I I've been saying for the last couple of weeks is we've been murdering that list with every song we hear or something new goes on there. And I thought prior to that, it's going to be weeks before anything makes it on that tape. So I kind of feel like you never know. I tell you, yeah, the last three weeks, Sight for Sore Rise, The Farm, and Home Tonight uh, were all added uh, just in the last few weeks. So, uh, Mr. Matola, let's go over the six selections that you have on your dice here, and you can maybe just give us kind of a, a brief rundown of why you selected those tracks. First off, we have One Way Street, then Round and Round, Chiquita, Taste of India, Heart's Done Time, and Walk On Down. That is a very eclectic group of songs, my friend. Oh, yeah. These are, I mean, most of them I picked um, the last, before the last time I was on your show. So the newest one was Round and Round, which I remember when I did the, the, uh, the Aerosmith episode on Scott's show, that was, that was one of my favorites that I had forgotten about. I was like, damn, I forgot this was so heavy. So probably one of my favorite deep cuts. All the other ones are just, um, I think are, are just like straight ahead rockers. Um, that I've always really loved and enjoyed. So that's where I was coming from. Uh, plus, I like to kind of pick uh, not obvious choices uh, most of the time for my songs. I, I kind of have that uh, that taste, you know. Well, and that's great because uh, Bright Light Fright was your first selection that we did uh, way back on episode 48. That was a great song. It was on the mixtape for a very long time. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, actually, that's that's right. It, didn't see it on there so uh do you remember what kicked it off uh yeah i just know that scott kicked it off because he he said he'd not a fan of you and not a fan of that song <laughs> oh right under the bus yeah. <laughs> right under that's the bus that's that you all know how aggressive i am yeah i didn't realize what a kind of a almost like a contrarian pick that was until we listened to it and then i was like oh yeah this is kind of like not typical aerosmith so i feel like more of these songs with maybe the exception of taste of india are a little more traditional aerosmith i guess you could say or more um you know if, if you played it for somebody that knew casual aerosmith they would probably enjoy it more i think and a good mix of uh, early and, and new, too. You got, like, One Way Street from the first album and then something like Walk mm. On Down from Get a Grip, a great Joe track. Yeah. Yeah, very um, – those two in particular, like, very, very bluesy, very um, uh, very jammy, especially One Way Street is one of my favorites off the first album. Uh, just incredible stuff, you know. All right, John, uh, out of those six, is there uh, maybe one particular track you're hoping to land on tonight? Well, since we were just talking about it, I think uh, One Way Street would be would be awesome. Um, I would love to talk about that one. Well, that'd be a good one. No problem there. Uh, how about you, uh, Hercules McSleepy? 
uh, which is what you put on your uh, <laughs> on, on your name key here. Uh, what are you hoping to land on tonight? Of course, you probably haven't heard any of these except for Hearts Done Time. Uh, actually, round and round because it's on Toys oh, and yeah. Addicts. It's on Toys. Uh, mm. and, and I'm so tempted to pick that. But, you know, I'm really curious to hear Taste of India because I have a feeling it could be a very experimental song for Aerosmith mm. or it could be something really cheesy. And uh, I want to know which. Perfect. Well, I, I was going to pick that one if you didn't, Scott, because I really want to hear your comments on that one. But uh, I'm going to go with the Joe track. I'm going with Walk On Down uh, mm. from Get a Grip. I'm in a real Get a Grip mood tonight. So, so uh, those are our So I picked it, you don't want to hear my comments now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The less okay. Scott, the better. Didn't you hear John earlier when he said the less Scott, the better? <laughs> Putting words That's in my mouth over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's throw it over to Steven Tyler. Square. Oh, stop it. Toss of the And we're going to come up with Hearts Done Time. We're going yes. back to Scott's favorite album, Permanent Vacation. Uh, Scott, kick us off. Tell us, uh, what are your uh, initial thoughts on Hearts Done Time? This song is just, a, it, it just gets you right off the bat. It's got a great steady beat, a perfect tempo. Uh, Steven sounds especially great on the choruses. It's, it's a great song. And uh, John, a big fan of uh, Permanent Vacation, early 80s Aerosmith? <laughs> Oh yeah, this was um when I was um when I was a kid, this was like the the newest Aerosmith album. So um one of my friends had had this cassette and this was like the the kickoff track to this this album and I just remember uh, uh just this really kind of epic feeling when it came on and listening to it later on um, just remembering like, you know, maybe, you know, as an adult, I just, um, hearing it again and just realizing just what a, what a great, uh, opening song this is for their, their quote unquote comeback album. Um, I mean, stands up, uh, up there with anything else on the album or the, uh, the nineties albums where they just like got huge. Um, I think this is a great track. And uh, the only song, original Aerosmith song from this album that Steven Tyler didn't have a hand in writing. This is a Joe Perry, Desmond Child song. Mm -hmm. uh, Steven Tyler wrote on everything else except, of course, I'm Down, uh, which was the Beatles cover. So oh. like you said, uh, this is the kickoff uh, to the real comeback album. Of course, Done With Mirrors was supposed to be their uh, kick uh, comeback album in 1985. Didn't quite work out that way. Uh, only had one kind of mid-size hit on it. But Permanent Vacation is really what launched them back into the scene in 1987. Everyone knows the big uh, singles, Ragdoll Angel, uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Uh, this is the uh, the opening track. Let's get into it. This is Hearts Done Time from 1987's Permanent Vacation. All right, Scott, I know you're a big fan right off the hop there. <laughs> yeah, that bass line is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like whale noises. It, it, it does sound like does. whale noises. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, album intro. I remember. So I, I wanted to ask you guys too. Uh, I think I know a little bit for John, but for you, Corey, I don't. This was in that sort of transitory time between cassettes and CDs, really starting to take over. Mm. Uh, when I bought this album, it was shortly after I moved to Colorado, and I was buying cassettes because we could play cassettes in the car. Uh, how did you, how did you get it, Corey? 
Oh, cassette. Yeah, definitely. And it was uh, uh, Dude Looks Like Lady. Once that video hit, uh, everybody had that cassette uh, around my neck of the woods. So uh, it took me a while to actually get this on CD. But yeah, definitely cassette uh, way back in, oh, well, the way back in 1987. Yes, I'm that old. And, and John, did you go through a vinyl cassette to CD route? Um, not really, because um, when I started getting into music, like around this time, I was like 11, 12. So, um, you know, my my dad had had records from like the 60s, 70s. But I was really, um, you know, cassettes were big at the time because they were portable. Um, like you just said, you could put them in the car at the time. I had like a, you know, either a cassette player, like in my room or Walkman. So, um, and I didn't really have a lot of my own cassettes, at least at this time. So I was like, uh, you know, one of my, I remember one of my little friends had it and I asked if I could borrow that. Like, I think I had that in like Van Halen's 1984 <laughs> until he made me uh, give them back. But, uh, this was one of them that I wanted to hear because it had dude looks like a lady because, you know, like we just said um that that song just blew up on mtv and and the radio so i wanted to just like put it in my little headphones and listen to it over and over so yeah yeah well those All are right. good picks if you're gonna get stuck with two albums those are two good ones to have <laughs> yeah but no no vinyl for me you know it's um i was kind of after the started collecting music or getting into it out like when cassette when it was going cassette to cd as opposed to vinyl to cassette mm. See, I knew I liked John Aerosmith and Van Halen. Those are the two cassettes. That sounds all right to me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into the song proper here. Just listen to the reverb on that kick drum. I mean, that just sounds, it sounds like a 26 inch bass drum. It just sounds absolutely huge. Mm. Bruce Fairburn, uh, enough can't be said about him as a producer. He's produced all my favorite albums and uh, he knows how to make a drum set. Like the the whole album mixed impeccably and listen to songs like Ragdoll. Big booming drums on that one too, right? And here they are again. Killer snare on that song too, but we'll get to that. Speaking of Killer Snare, we got a, a great little run coming up here, too, as Steven uh, kicks into gear. Oh, man, that's everything I love about Aerosmith in about an eight-second span. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's awesome. I mean, that that intro is like, I mean, I don't I don't know offhand if they ever opened with that song, but I mean, that's 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 like an opening. That's like a, a show opening song right there. You have the, the air raid horn and the guitars coming in. You have Tyler like wailing around in the background, the the you know, the bass drum, the kick drum going like, you know, you just everybody is coming in and it's building up to to something and which was this part right here. So it's just like what a, like one of the best builds like on an opening track that I've heard in uh, like uh, probably ever. And well, it, that, it that's a great like... call about the opening track. Uh, it actually didn't, uh, from what I can tell, on the permanent vacation tour, it was played anywhere from third uh, to ninth in the set list. So that's kind of surprising. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you want to open with something familiar, but God, is, how do you pass this up as your as your opener? It's like John said, it's perfect. Yeah. 
And you could pull this. You could pull off a fade into this live. I mean, as a drummer, you can you can do a manual fade in. Um, but the, but when I hear this, especially that part with Steven and, and the drum roll, it really feels like we're back and we're serious and we're yeah. fresh and we're ready to go. Absolutely. Yep. Perfectly said. And it sounds uh, updated in, in a way. Like the the seventy the seventies albums sound like the seventies albums. Uh, done with mirrors, you know, produced by Ted Templeman. The you know wasn't the greatest sound quality. This album is is just produced impeccably. I think it. Yeah. Bruce Fairburn knocked it out of the park, and so you got everything nice and clean and crisp. And you mentioned those drums and Stephen with the whale, and everything's just balanced perfectly. Couldn't think of a better way to kick off this album. Agreed. Those guitars are just phenomenal, and it's uh, mm. Joe, Joe and Brad are really playing co-lead throughout this entire song. And another reason why I love Aerosmith, like, you know, Joey Kramer, the bass line we talked about, Steven Tyler's on fire, but those twin guitars and the dichotomy between the two. You got the more technically proficient Brad Whitford. You got the bluesy, just you know, play by feel, just great fucking jams and licks and Joe Perry, and how they mesh together is really what makes that classic Aerosmith sound. <laughs> Mm, absolutely one of my one of my favorite things in this track aside from the guitars is how present the bass is because you have right before the uh right before the uh the the first verse you have tom hamilton over there like very prominent like bass line and then even during the verses it's like very thick and full like everything as you said was like produced well balanced so like you can you can just hear everything and it's just this just full rock and sound like everything just sounds great on this track I think it's got to be about 80% of the episodes that I've been on on this show <laughs> where I've said I love the bass line. Yeah. You know, a huge. I, I've grown to be a huge Tom Hamilton fan for sure. And I don't I mean, I don't pay any attention to anything in the world. So I don't know if he really gets credit for what he's done in this band, but he's damn good. You know, he gets credit for like uh, co-writing Sweet Emotion and coming up with that that great bass intro, right? But yeah, he's he's one of the unsung heroes, him and Joey and Brad. Everybody always points to the Toxic Twins, right? Steven Tyler, Joe Perry as being the heart and soul of Aerosmith. But it's really that backbone that uh, makes mm. Aerosmith what it is. The other thing I noticed, and I, I, I can't say I've ever really picked this out in this song before, was that the guitars, especially coming into this part, out, out of the chorus, back into the verse and where we heard at the beginning, it has a little bit of a ZZ Top feel to it. Yeah, All right, I can I can hear that. Yeah, especially like later ZZ Top. Like I'm thinking back to their uh, their last album in 2012, La Futura. Uh, those guitars sound very reminiscent of this, so that's a good call. Hmm. Yeah! 
I really like how during the verse, it's almost like a call and response from vocal to guitar. You have the vocal line that is that dent, dent, kind of answering. But then in the chorus, even when he's not calling out, it's answering anyway. <laughs> the guitars keep doing it without him. I think that's kind of fun. No, yeah, that's the, that's like the, this is the whole, like, I don't know the, I don't know if I can even like, there's so much going on here. Like, um, you know, but it's so, it's so simple. Um, because I was like, listen to the riff and when you were just talking about the, when, during the, during the verse, when you go, dun, 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 you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself where that is on the fretboard. It's like, you know, three notes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, songs like this are great too because you hear them and uh, you know when you're a musician you can um, you know if you hear a really great song one of the best things is thinking like uh, you know as, if you're not like a, a super technical is is like oh yeah I could I could probably play play this I could probably play some of this and that's that's really you know that's cool that's that makes it relatable. Yeah, it's kind of like the first time I scored a film, I, I remember thinking, you know, all these films I've watched, I'm like, yeah, I'd probably do something like that. Or I, I could see why they made that decision. And then you get your first one and there's nothing to go by. There's there's nobody else's work. There's just nothing. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm the one that has to come up with all of that. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a it's a much different perspective when you're the one that has to create that. But those little things, just little fill ins like that can really take a song from good to amazing. John, you're the guitar player on the panel. What did you think of that section? Oh, that's that's amazing. Um, I love shit like this. Um, I know that, um, Scott, you'll be familiar with this. I'm not sure if you will, Corey, but it reminds me of uh, what I love about the, the Gillen Mr. Universe solo, mm -hmm. where everything drops out except for the drums and the guitar. But this is a little bit different. It's basically just drums and guitar. And this is like, it sounds like dueling guitars. And you can't really hear, you can't pick out distinctly what they're doing, but it's like, it just, it feels like an Im improv jam, like in the studio. And like, you, you know, you hear Joey Kramer back there, just like keeping the beat and the uh, uh, Joe and Brad are just like, you know, you could picture them in the studio, just like dueling back and forth, just like throwing stuff out there, just really raw. Like this is like whether, I don't know if it was planned or not, but this is like whatever they captured on here was like fantastic. It was like a great uh, quote unquote solo. You know, it's, it's not like something you could like sing or hum like a melodic solo, but it's something where you can just like really groove and get into it. And um, it's, it, I mean, it fits the song. It's like, it's, you know, fantastic. And it breaks it up too from the verses, mm -hmm. but it fits in. So um, I love it. I think it's um I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's a great Mr. Universe comparison. I, I hadn't thought of that, but as soon as you said it, I'm like, yep, that's that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, the the thing I picture 
I, I feel like this was just done in one or two takes. Like they just went for it and they just kept what yeah. they got. It feels very natural to me. Uh, but but I'm kind of visualizing like the two of them just standing there looking at each other, just trading off licks. And then they start taking steps toward each other. And they're like, all right, yeah, look at this. All right. Oh, you got that. All right. Look at this. And the next thing you know, they're like touching foreheads and trying to push each other across the room. That's that's the intensity I got from that. And I really like that. I, I really feel that there was some great passion in this playing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's intensity is a good word for it. You know, like it's just this, this dueling, like back and forth, almost like, you know, you could, you could picture it on stage. That's why this would be such a great live opener. Mm-hmm. And like John said, it, it fits the, the the tone of the song because here we got lyrically, uh, it's about a guy who's trying to steal a woman from another guy. And now that he's got her, uh, his heart's done time. So, uh, it, you know, kind of that combative relationship you kind of get that combativeness uh, with the uh, the dueling guitars good call and, and then as the drummer joey's just sitting there just happily playing his his snare and kick drum lick and just going oh there's guitars playing <laughs> when, when you're a drummer and you get in a groove like that you literally don't care what's going on in the world around you it just does not matter that's joey kramer trying not to get yelled at by steven because that's normally what he was doing just trying not to get yelled at by steven tyler who uh, probably a better drummer actually than joey kramer but he took the drums very seriously and was very very hard uh, on poor mr kramer all right let's keep her going Notice how the bass has now taken over that lick. Yes. What a killer bass tone he got on this album. Yeah, just it was it just really, really fat. This fat bass, but you know, it doesn't it doesn't diminish anything else. Like it's just it sits really well in the mix mm-hmm. with everything. Now, yeah, Aerosmith I, has always done that. I know I, I do other podcasts and other bands where they tend to bury the bass at times. Mike Lanthony and Van Halen, uh, I'm doing this Genesis show, and they bury the bass in, like all over the place in those early Phil Collins records for Genesis, which is too bad because Mike Rutherford's a pretty good bass player too. But Aerosmith, all the way through their career, have not been you know shy about getting the bass right proper in the mix, and uh, I really appreciate it for it because Tom Hamilton, one of the greatest rock bassists of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's hard stunt time from Permanent Vacation. And Scott, I know why you were smiling there because Steven Tyler has been known to 
just make noise to let the audience know he's still there. I know there's guitars playing, but I'm the front man. Listen to me go. You know what? I was why I was smiling was because well, yes, that's why. But I I'm going to give him a pass on this one. And the reason is, how can you not just be so overcome by this song that you have to be a part of it? You know, even when he's not. I think the the thing I probably would have done is I would have turned him down a little more and the guitars up a little bit because I could hear there was some guitar stuff going on in the background mm. that I'd like to hear. Um, but I'm going to give him a pass on this one because this is just such a killer song. How can you not just be 100 percent there? Yeah, I, I noticed that. Um, I noticed that as well. Is is that um, there's really no uh, the guitar, the the lead guitars anyway are, are pretty are pretty far back in the mix. And there was there was a solo where there was some kind of leads going on back there. But seeing as that there was no proper guitar solo anyways, and the 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 um, not the fade out, but they they were almost you know done with the song you can forgive that because you just caught little bits of the guitar like kind of uh soloing in the back or doing a lead and it kind of fit with the uh-oh. with the solo in the middle because it was just kind of like you know this back and forth that wasn't really defined it was just kind of this jamming so um you know i guess uh, you know you really didn't need a solo in here like you know tyler just you know doing his thing like scatting and screaming over everything just kind of you know, kept the emotion like up here, the intensity of the song up here. Um, whereas like, you know, you know, maybe um, having a having a spot for a solo would, you know, might have not just fit because even the, the little part that you did here was what, like five seconds. Right. But I mean, it was cool because you just caught little glimpses of it. It made you want more. So and everything just kind of weaved into this tapestry of like sound instead of, you know, any any one thing or person being featured which is what i like about the whole song hmm. all right gentlemen well we got a little bit of business to take care of here and that's does hearts done time deserve a spot on our mixtape this would go on side a the deep cut side this was not a single so just to remind everybody the current tracks on that side of the mixtape are rats in the cellar moving out no more no more girl keeps coming apart bone to bone the farm i'm down Sight for Sore Eyes and Combination. John, since this was your selection and you're our guest, uh, you can go first. Do you see a song on that uh, side of the mixtape that you would replace with Hearts Done Time? Let me see. There's, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as familiar offhand with, um, with two of them, um, The Farm and I'm Down. So, I mean, I can't, I can't say either one of those, but I do know Sight for Sore Eyes, which um, would, out of all the ones that I do, I, you know, obviously know the rest of them. I would probably, probably take that one off. It's not as strong a track as the other ones. All right. Uh, I'll go next, Scott, since you went first uh, last week. Um, I think Heart's Done Time definitely uh, deserves a slot right here on our mixtape. And I was cool kind of replacing either one of the other permanent vacation tracks being Girl Keeps Coming Apart or I'm Down, which is one John mentioned. That is a cover. It's a Beatles cover uh, that we've had the conversation. Should it be all Aerosmith? Uh, do we, you know, do the covers have a little bit of a tougher road? Um, I, I get your point on Sight for Sore Eyes. Uh, I'd be more uh, likely, I'd, I'd more agreeable, I think, to maybe take off I'm Down uh, for Hearts Done Time. I could also be talking to Girl Keeps Coming Apart. Uh, Scott, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because well, we just put Sight for Sore Eyes on there, and um, I, I definitely agree with with what you're saying, John. And I think part of the challenge is like the same challenge that I had is that I don't know a lot of these songs very well, so it's it's sometimes a little bit challenging to say I you know I know that this song is better or it's not, and that's why I have my color coding system, which helps me remember. And I go back and listen occasionally to some of these songs. Um, yeah, I th I think if we're going to do it, we should probably replace. I, I don't want to replace a permanent vacation song because it's a permanent vacation song. But I'm going to say I'm going to go with Girl Keeps Coming Apart. And uh, the reason I'll say that is because I think that they're they're both very powerful, energetic songs. I think I'm down for now. I think it's good to have a cover on there because, again, if we're doing well-rounded version of Aerosmith, uh, I think we should have a cover on there, whether it stays I'm down or, or not. Who knows? Uh, I would vote for Girl Keeps Coming Apart. Now, the other option is John's first choice, which is Sight for Sore Eyes, which uh, I, I tend to agree with John in that it's probably a weaker one of the weaker songs on the mixtape currently, and I think Hearts mm. Done Time is a little bit better. So if you're not uh, opposed to having three permanent vacation songs on side A, would you consider Sight for Sore Eyes? I know it just got on there a few sh a few shows ago, but kind of looking top to bottom, what we got on here, I think it's probably the weakest track. Okay, I, w I, would, be, uh, I would be good with that. All right, John, you won. Girl Keeps Cut, or sorry, Sight for Sore Eyes is coming off. Heart Stun Time has found a spot on the mixtape, and actually I'm going to go ahead and replace that uh, with Rats in the Cellar so it kicks off the mixtape, because what better ah. way to kick off the mixtape than with Heart Stun Time? Yeah, fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, well, how long will done. it stay on there? we got to get you on, you know, maybe not 30 shows into the future. Hopefully Heart Stun Time <laughs> will have a longer shelf life. Although Bright yeah. Light Frank was on there for quite a bit. Yeah, really well... Was. If Bright Lake Frey was on there for a while, I would. I, I mean, you have to have a strong track to, to kick this one off, in my opinion. Yeah. And actually, uh, when John was on the show and we had our nasty cuts side of the mixtape, it was still on his nasty cuts. So mm -hmm. it was still technically when we had two mixtapes on there. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. that's All right. True. So that'll do it for this show, guys. We did it. Heart's Done Time is now on the mixtape. Before we wrap it up, John Matola, one more time, tell the folks about the Deep Purple Podcast, where they can find you. And you got anything cool coming up on the show you want to promote? Yeah, so we are on um, all of the all of the fine places where you can find podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, uh, deeppurplepodcast.com. Um, we're on um, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, X. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Twitter. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that recently. Nate, uh, Nate is kind of uh, hasn't been on it as much since it's kind of transitioned over. So um, unfortunately, that's our our biggest following. But uh, hopefully more people will migrate to the other socials, even though we have a decent, uh, decent followings over there. Um, and um, yeah, right now, Nate and I are uh, very uh, cutting it very close with episodes as, um, as Scott knows, well, we usually record pretty far out, but the summer has been a challenge for us. So we're, we're going week by week, which is, uh, kind of different for us. So, um, you know, we have, um, we have some of our usual, um, reviews coming up. Uh, we always try and keep it, uh, fresh and do things that aren't, um, you know, as, as obvious. So, um, yeah, we got, um, you know, we just have, um, more of our episodes coming up, trying to keep our streak, um, and we also have a meetup coming up as well. That's something cool. Um, in our area, there's a, uh, the, uh, the Glenn Hughes Ingve Malmsteen show, um, in the, um, in the new England area, which is, um, September 19th 
Um, Glenn Hughes and Ingve. we don't know who's going to be opening. I think it's a rotating spot, which is going to be in um, uh, Worcester, Mass. So uh, we've been promoting the fact that we're going to be here. Nate's going to uh, fly in from the Chicago area, and me, him, and um, Rich Yangwe Shaylor will be there, one of our good friends and patrons. So um, anybody else in the area wants to join us, just hit us up and, um, you know, let us know. We'll, uh, we're doing a little meetup beforehand, and then um, me and Nate are um, hopefully we'll have, uh, get to meet Mr. Hughes before the show. Very, very cool. Scott, uh, you're in a town with an uh, airport. You got to head out to uh, Worcester and uh, check out Ingve and uh, Mr. Hughes. I would love to. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to do that. And I'm kind of really bummed that he's playing my hometown of Mount Clemens, Michigan, but not playing Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> kind of a slap in the face. It's like, I'll, I'll go where you were when you were a baby. And that's it. Uh, but Rich, Rich is actually going to be here in Vegas next week, so uh, he has cool. to survive Vegas before he can survive Glenn Hughes. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, with our with our uh, continual heat advisory, he said he's not leaving the hotel. <laughs> so probably a while yeah. at this point for mid August. Yeah. All right, Scott, you got anything uh, coming up you'd like to promote? Oh, let's see. I'm going to be working on my next album pretty soon. Um, my my artist, I've, I'm doing a little challenge with her because normally I come up with a concept. I send the concept over to her, whether it's uh, demo tracks or stick figures or whatever. And, and I say, uh, I, I know you'll make a great album cover. And she always does. This time I challenged her to come up with the album cover first. And I'm going to write the music based on whatever the graphic art is. So, uh, you know, got to gotta do some challenges here and there and make it fun. So that's going to be a, a good chunk of my September, along with uh, continued podcasting. That's right. You got enough of them. But we got one more thing I forgot to do here. Mm. That's right. It's time to play our favorite game. How many times has Aerosmith performed Hearts Done Time? We talked about it a little bit, uh, saying what a great opener it would be. They didn't open with it on that tour. Uh, they opened with Rats in the Cellar or Toys in the Attic. But they did play Hearts Done Time. So the question becomes, Scott Haskett, how many times do you think Aerosmith performed Hearts Done Time? I'm going to go with 83. 83. All right, John Matola. Price is right rules. You have to get closest to the actual number without going over. Scott said 83. How many times do you think Aerosmith has performed Hearts Done Time? Mm. Um, I'll say 50. 50. All right. Well, the correct answer is 133 times. Ah. So All right. Scott Haskin, you win. Excellent. I will. What does he win? I will await my prize. My respect. <laughs> The, the, the home version of this podcast. That's right. Well, you can play the home game of Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited, where we just put on a song and and bitch about it, and then people give us one star reviews. That's right. I, I know uh, I know the shipping from uh, Vegas to Saskatchewan, so I, I don't want you to have to send me anything. It would cost far too much. Uh, so I'll I'll just uh, wait for your your uh, email attachment of respect. That's right. Well, we'd have to start our own Patreon to afford shipping uh, between Vegas and Saskatchewan. So. <laughs> All right, if that's all, gentlemen, we will call it a night on behalf of our special guest, John Matola, and the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Askin. That's the price is right. We're not playing that no more. My name is Corey Mercer. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. Tyler.